which is which just I, I think awesome is the best song. song in the musical. It's, it's my so favorite good. song in the musical. She <laughs> yeah. just steps forward, and it is a dressing down song. <laughs> of just everyone. Everybody, <laughs> like, yeah. Anyone in the room just gets lit up. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of No Script, the unscripted conversation podcast about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. We're excited that you've joined us this week for another conversation about another script. We're several episodes into season five now. It's been a blast so far. Some Mm -hmm. really great scripts, some really different scripts, too. We're always striving to do things that are different week to week that change the kind of theater we're reading and talking about and if you've liked the variety so far hold your horses because (laughs) the variety continues this week yeah, yeah, we're jumping into a great play, one that I've one that's been around for a while, one that I've loved ever since since I've like first heard of it and we're talking about In the Heights this week. That's right. In the Heights, music and lyrics by Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, book by Chiara Allegria Hoodies. Um, they are an incredible team in creating this script. This one has a lot more book in it than Hamilton, obviously, which is entirely music. And so Lin-Manuel did partner with her to create the book side of this script, which is really strong, I think. We are going to come back to Chiara Hoodies' work later on in the season one of the only times thus far that we've had a playwright appear twice in a season but because she just wrote the book for this we still wanted a chance to talk about her plays she's a three-time pulitzer prize finalist um yeah. for this script for another script and then she won for water by the spoonful so incredible playwright and if all you've done is listened to the soundtrack for in the heights uh you really really need to pick up a copy of the script and read it because the whole story is incredible and the chances that you're going to see it are low probably in an area near you unless you live in a a, a really big city yeah, yeah, and 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 I agree with you. The book in this case really fills out the storyline quite a bit, especially in the second act. You miss you miss a lot of the beats of the play if you don't have the the book to go with it. So and it's a powerful powerful uh, set of lines <laughs> as well through the end of the play. So we're excited to talk about that. Before we jump into our conversation, we do want to ask everybody, as we always do, to please head on over to patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. That's where you can become a patron. Patrons are the folks that keep this show running. We got costs to do what we do. We love it, but it's just not free to do. And so we rely on our NoScript community to help make what we do possible. We are so thankful, so grateful, so overflowing, really, with gratitude for the patrons that have already chosen to support the show. You're amazing. You're why we get to do what we do. But if you haven't yet, please head on over there, patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. You just sign up to pay a monthly amount. There's a couple different tiers. The lowest is $1 a month. Even that level is really helpful. Uh, Once you do that, once you become a patron, then you get access to patron-only posts over there, which does include sort of forward-looking, like you get to know in advance what the scripts are that are coming up. 
that's one of the perks as well as we try to be fairly active over there about posting different kinds of art, videos, interviews, poems, things that are interesting to us that would be fun for that community to engage in. So please head on over there if you're not ever already a supporter of the show. Otherwise, it's time to go back to the script. Back to the script. Here we go. We're jumping into In the Heights. Um, In the Heights is a musical, as we've said, by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and Kira Alegria Houdis. Um, this 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 play has a pretty fun story, actually. Uh, kind of a, a like almost an idyllic fairy tale story of how plays get produced. Um, this uh, production, uh, Miranda wrote the earliest draft of it while he was in college, his sophomore year of college in 1999. Um, it it uh, had a run at the Wesleyan University Student Theater Company, and and basically leapfrogged from there via like people coming up and talking to Miranda and saying, Hey, this play is great. We want to see how it works on Broadway and, and see how it works to build towards that. So then the show got uh, a couple of, um, of, uh, off-Broadway off tryouts, essentially, um, in Connecticut in 2005, and then off-Broadway itself in 2007, leading to its Broadway premiere in 2008. Um, it premiered on Broadway in February of that year, with official opening in March at the Richard Rogers Theater. It then went on to win a bunch of awards. Um, it's got uh, the uh, Drama Desk Awards for Outstanding uh, Ensemble Performance, Outstanding Choreography, Most Promising Male Performer as well for Lin-Manuel Miranda in, in that production. Uh, the Tony Awards, it won Best Musical in 2008, Best Original Score, Best Choreography, Best Musical Show Album, Best Orchestrations. Um, it and, it's, and it continued. It had a, a, a lot of tours. It toured across... Uh, America, uh, Broadway Across America, or whatever that that organization is. I actually had the chance to see it in uh, Grand, uh, not Grand Rapids, in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, when it came through there. So that was that was great to to be able to see it. It uh, had a, over in uh, the West End. Uh, it had a number of productions over there. Uh, fairly recently, actually, because Lin Manuel made a special uh, appearance while he was filming the new Mary Poppins movie. He came over and and jumped in on that production, um, or at least stopped by. It also has a film adaptation that is in the works. It was due to release this year. However, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been delayed to 2021. So you'll be able to see a, a, a version of it coming up as well uh, in, in a year. But it, that'll be a heavily, I believe that's a much more heavily adapted version than, say, the recording of Hamilton is um, on Disney Plus right, right now. Right, yeah, because the recording of Hamilton is just a recording of the stage production. They are making a full movie, a film that will be based on In the Heights, the musical. I, I The musical is really cinematic. I think it will adapt really well. And uh, maybe I'm, Lin-Manuel Miranda might say I'm ignorant here, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty plug and play into a movie. I mean, it's, it's yeah. already got these sort of multiple locations, rolling look across this whole neighborhood, really engaging multiple character storylines that I, I think will cross over well, well to film. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super excited to see what they do to it when they turn it into a film. So the play is if we just go off of what Usnavi, the narrator character, says at the end of the first song, the world introducing Wash in the in the Heights song. At the end of that song, he says that the play is a couple of days in the life of what it's like in Washington Heights. Washington Heights, of course, is a neighborhood in North Manhattan. And this play lives in that neighborhood for about two days. And two, two and a half days, it covers three full days, but 
you see different parts of the days, etc. Um, you follow several different stories that kind of coalesce at different points in the play. The the main character storylines that you follow, Usnavi is the owner of a bodega on the corner. He is a uh, Dominican Republic immigrant and desires to go back to that country, but doesn't have the money and is running this bodega. He is... Uh, attracted to a young woman named Vanessa who he would like to date and does not have the courage to ask her out until partway through the play. Um, one of the main things that happens along his storyline is that he has uh, this character he's in association with. Her name is Abuela Claudia. Um, she's not really his abuela, which he says a number of times during the show, but she raised him. His parents died when he was young and she wins the lottery. And that's a big major point in the middle of the story. And so they're deciding what they're going to do with that lottery money. Um, and then fairly tragically, about two-thirds of the way through the script, Abuela Claudia dies. And some of the rest of the play is him deciding what he's going to do with that that legacy that she left in Washington Heights. That's one major plot line through the story. Another deals with the Rosario family. Nina is a college student, the first of her family to go to college. She's attending a college in California. And her parents, uh, Kevin and Camila, are working very hard. They own a car service, and they're working very hard to pay her tuition. However, she has just come home after having spent four months being fairly secretive about the fact that she's actually dropped out of college because of having to work so much to pay tuition. She lost her scholarship because her grades weren't up to snuff, and so she actually ended up dropping out. Now she's finally come back, and she tells them this. The Rosario family has to decide what they're going to do about the fact that Nina dropped out of college and no longer has a scholarship. They may end up selling the car service to pay her tuition bills. They may not. Nina is also in a romantic relationship with Benny, who's an employee of her father's, and Benny is not Latino, and so her family does not want Nina to date Benny, and they're, they, they want to be together. So there's that kind of plot line that follows through the story. Uh, there is a hair salon, which is moving out of Washington Heights that encompasses another through line and the engagement of these characters as they... Kind of, I mean, there's not much that changes in that storyline. It's really a storyline of grief about having to leave the neighborhood uh, all the way through the script. There's a number of other characters that follow kind of small plot lines, but those three through lines are the major stories that we follow beginning to end. It, this play happens in the middle of or early July, in the middle of summer, uh, over the 4th of July weekend. Um, a number of things happen to change kind of the course of things for the neighborhood. Uh, right in the middle of the play, there's a big blackout. The power gets knocked out through the whole neighborhood, and then it stays out through the remainder of the play. That's a major thing that happens. Uh, the death of Abuela Claudia affects the whole neighborhood because she was really invested in the lives of these community members. And so that's another kind of major pillar changing point for the course of the neighborhood. But the neighborhood of Washington Heights at the time that the play was written is uh, and is facing gentrification. I mean, they're facing rising rents. And at, at one point near the end of the show, I think Gusnavi says, you know, when in 10 years, when this neighborhood is all rich people and hipsters, is anybody going to remember yeah. us, <laughs> the, the residents that have lived here for forever? So that's one of the things being faced by the whole neighborhood together. 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 kind of shared in camaraderie with each other uh, in this in this struggle, this 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 struggle that they're all feeling pushed towards, and they're all that it's 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 a it's an immigrant community, so they're all pushing, they're all working really hard, they're all trying to get by, they're all trying to to kind of. Uh, push ahead. One of the lines that's over uh, said over and over by Abuela Claudia and and many of the others is, uh, I don't speak Spanish, so let's get that out of the way to begin with. <laughs> I, I mean, neither <laughs> of us speak Spanish, I've, right? So we're, yeah. we're probably mispronouncing things. We may have already mispronounced names in Spanish. Yeah. Words. We're doing our best. We looked stuff up. We tried. Uh, I did a I bunch hope, of Duolingo. Yeah, uh, you know, we're we're really trying. We we apologize if there are mispronunciations through this episode, recognizing yeah. that there almost certainly are. Yeah, there almost certainly are. Anyway, that 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 aside, uh, the line that is often repeated by many characters is kind of a motif that Abuela Claudia uh, brings up quite a bit is paciencia y fe, which is patience and faith. And that's kind of the the push for all these folks is they're they're pushing through patience with faith to try to make a better world for themselves, make a better world for their children. In the case of the Rosario family, yeah, the and, and the build. Piragua guy who who sells the shaved ice through the whole show, he he has a line that he repeats in a couple of his different interludes where he says, "Just keep scraping by, day after day, yeah. keep scraping by." And to me, that's I think that that is trying to hit a similar note as patience and faith. This idea Mm -hmm. that just sort of day in and day out, you do what you have to in hopes that there will be a better day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's some of the tension that gets thrown in when, uh, Abuela Claudia and, uh, Usnavi win the lottery (laughs) or or uh, Abuela wins the lottery, but thus Usnavi has the option of getting out of, of the neighborhood of the barrio now. Right, because she's going to share the money with him, and his plan, when it's revealed, it's revealed at the end of the Blackout song, which is the major final song of Act 1. So this is like, end of Act 1, we've won the lottery, what's going to happen in Act 2? That's that kind of a moment. And when that's revealed, the plan then, going forward, is that Yusnavi and Abuela Claudia are going to use their portions of the money to move back to Dominican. To move back and, uh, I mean, they sort of imagine almost Sweeney Todd-esque, right? Like a by the sea, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> They're gonna right. open their own little shop by the sea and live the rest of their days on the beach. Is is the is the dream? Um, it, it's sometimes a little bit hard to tell, and I think in a good way, how much of their dream they know is just a dream, and how much of it is concrete. Like the, he definitely has plans to move back to Dominican, but he. I mean, he's got a plane ticket bought. So we know that that part of the plan is firm. But is he actually planning to open in a bar like on the beach? Or is that sort of language exaggeration, this sort of beautiful dreamed future? I'm not quite sure. Sure, sure. The the return to home or the the, the return to wherever you are from is this um, kind of idealized hope for many of them while they all acknowledge um, why they came to New York in the first place. They came because of of various circumstances that forced them to leave. Most of them didn't come because they necessarily wanted to, but they wanted to build a better life for themselves and for their families. And so there's this idealized sense of home, of returning to that which, uh, even even if it wasn't you who knew in the case of Usnavi, because Usnavi was uh, born basically on the way to New York, I think. Um, uh, but still, he has this idealized image and a couple like home trips that his family took of the Dominican Republic. And thus he wants to, it's his dream to return there and open up a shop by the seashore. 
Yeah, Abuela Claudia sings this beautiful ballad sort of about, it's actually the song Paciencia y Fe, Patience and Faith, uh, where she describes her journey to America and her mother, you know, couldn't find work where they were living. And so they chose to move to New York. And it's a really touching moment musically, as well as in the story where she says, you know, New York was far away and cold and we didn't know anybody, but there was work there. And so we went there and we just spent years cleaning houses and all of these, you know, sort of jobs that we could find, that we managed to find. And that just became days upon days upon years upon years until now she's a very old woman. And though she doesn't know it at that point in the show, near the end of her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have this this uh, this building of that that longing for home throughout the play while while it's clear that everyone's relationships here are really strong it's 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 this um uh kind of com- we've talked about camaraderie a lot and that's that's the biggest feeling that you get from this block you're kind of spending time on one block of the city and 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 the partnership that is that is uh that that these characters have for each other that is shown through Snavi kind of walking around town giving everyone coffee it's clear that to lose one person even though almost everyone is planning to leave to some degree at some point during this play to lose any one person will greatly affect the community right really the story of the play is the story of how the neighborhood is going to change and yeah. so, you know, Snavi claims at the beginning of the show, it's just three days in the life of this neighborhood. But really, it's a very particular three days. Of course it is. It's drama. But in, right. <laughs> in indifference to what he claims at the beginning, this isn't just any three days. This is the three days where major things are going to change. We already know one of the more... Um, Uh, one of the businesses that has held up the neighborhood prior to the action of the show has recently moved away. Uh, Several residents are planning individual moves not to live in the neighborhood anymore. And then through the course of the play, the hair salon closes, um, the Rosario car service closes, and the question is, is is Uznavi's bodega going to close as well? And so the neighborhood at the end of this play is not, is going to be nothing like it was at the beginning of this play. And in that way, the neighborhood sort of is a protagonist, right? I mean, it, it's a it's a character who goes on a journey. And at the end yeah. of this journey is is very much different than the neighborhood was at the beginning of this journey. Yeah, well, well, we 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 occasionally draw attention to the title of the play, and I think that the title of the play adds to your point that you just made. In the Heights, the Heights is a character. The Heights is is this this uh, living, breathing entity for all of these people, and um and and part of the tension of the play is wondering about what will happen to this place and what uh, what they've built of this place because they mentioned that this 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 place has been an immigrant community for. For a very long time, even prior to their time as the immigrants of this community, the previous community was mostly Irish. And so eventually they they all moved out of there. And now it's turning into this this uh, gentrified neighborhood and the kind of tension around what happens to this place as it develops and as it continues along a path that maybe we can't follow it anymore. Yeah, I love the moments in the play where the characters kind of come above the action that's immediately happening to them and have that chance to reflect on the changing landscape of the na- of the of the neighborhood the moment that of course is the biggest one i think the one that's most obviously highlighted is in the song 
um, the the Carnival de Barrio. And this is the song where Snavi announces to the neighborhood, "We've Abuela and Claudia and I just won the lottery. We're moving. We're leaving. Sonny, you get, you're, get the bodega. We are out of here. We're buying our tickets back home, and we're gone. And Sonny has, he sort of rises above all of the celebration, and he says, wait a minute. The car service is being sold. The salon is closing. Now the bodega is closing. Vanessa's moving away. This neighborhood is falling apart. There's going to be nothing left of the neighborhood we were familiar with for the past many years. Yeah, and in that way, you kind of have you have an intergenerational problem <laughs> that that's being dealt with because uh, for for those who who immigrated directly here. Their, a lot of their priorities is to get back home. But for Sonny and for some of the younger characters like Benny and Nina in the play, this is home. <laughs> so you have you have the, the the kind of dual loyalties of some of these characters to this to their previous home and to the home that they've built, while you have other characters who are connected to them that this is home. This is the only home, and they Sonny especially carries the weight of kind of the betrayed character in that. He sees everyone leaving him, and even to the point that when he's offered the third of the 96,000 that Abuela Claudia wins, um, he, he, there's even a sense of betrayal. Like, you're just going to pay me off and leave? Really? Like, we're, we're a family here. How can you leave? Yeah, when when Usnavi walks up to Sonny, with the cash, he Sonny even makes some quip about it being like his severance package. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and of course, the the idea that the neighborhood is a character in and of itself, perhaps even the character of the show, is even more bolstered when you read at the beginning of my script. There's sort of a lovely description of how the the play came to be, and. It took Lin-Manuel Miranda from his initial production to getting it into off-Broadway or on-Broadway. I'm not quite sure what the end marker of those eight years was. Um, it, it took eight years for him to develop all of the music and the themes in the show to develop the script that would eventually go on to be the one we know and love. And one of the things that was happening during that development period was that he was trying more and more to make the music of the play reflective of all the music of the neighborhoods of Washington. Heights and all the music that he had heard going through the Heights as a, as a kid and as a young person and the there lots of times if you if you read reviews or any you know little snippets about the musical the, lots of people say things like well there's three generations of Washington Heights music in here and the the character the timbre of the music in the show is really varied there are all, i mean there's everything from rap to hip hop to all kinds of different things really beautiful ballads and and the the paragua guys little interludes i mean it's a really <laughs> nice mix and blend of music that was very specifically designed to be pulled from the experience of being in washington heights in the in the time in this time yeah, yeah. And and you get that in the there, there's a song that like specifically tailors into that the carnival song. There's there's like a, a, a side where the whole company is singing to the different nations that are being represented by the music that's happening. There's uh, Dominicana, uh, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Cuba. Um, and 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 I, it's really fascinating to to kind of see it directly addressed there to have all those music styles conglomerating into this one carnival. And then, of course, you add into that part of it the layer of 
just lyric writing, lyricism that Lin-Manuel brings to the table. I mean, of course, nowadays he's famous for Hamilton. And actually, it's funny, if you read, if you buy a version of the script that was published before Hamilton, you read the back and it's like you're 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 reading the description of an author, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's like a totally different person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for Hamilton, the script in Hamilton, he's often described as the, you know, the, the brains behind In the Heights. But when In the Heights came out, he was virtually a nobody. And it's like, he co-wrote the music and lyrics for Bring It On, the musical. <laughs> How yeah, his yeah. career has really changed. But he, he's, a, he's an incredible writer, and he's so good at writing these lines that have just such internal strength structure and really like I, I'm not a rapper by any means so I'm just going to read the line but listen to all the internal rhyme schemes and structuring that's in this is just from the very beginning of the show I am Usnavi and you probably never heard my name reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated exacerbated by the fact that my syntax is highly complicated because I immigrated from the single greatest little place in the Caribbean Dominican Republic I mean, that's just an incredible, incredible internal rhyme schemes, incredible internal syntax. It's just really, really sharp lyrics writing, and it carries through the whole show. Yeah, absolutely. All uh, the you can just kind of sit there and and just experience these lines as they wash over you, and and it's an unparalleled way to get a lot of context for characters. You get a there's 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 um, I think probably three I'm gonna say really distinct kind of soliloquy songs in it, and there are the 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 uh, probably Usnavi has a couple soliloquies as well. But the three women in the play, uh, main character women in the play, there's Nina, Vanessa, and Abuela, all have of these soliloquy songs and you just learn so much about them because you're it is this this kind of rhyming uh hip-hop uh cadence and you get you get a lot more into the song they're not like long stretched out arias or anything you get a lot of information about these characters that method yeah and and they're all stories too i mean these Lin-Manuel Miranda is so good at writing songs which are either stories or decision moments for characters. I mean, a lot of the, if you're a person that doesn't like musicals, probably what you don't like about them is that people just stand around and sing and it's all sort of cheesy and nothing ever happens in the songs. And and that's, of course, an example of bad musical writing, right? right? But <laughs> me, me, when musicals use the music to tell stories or to put characters in decision moments that's when musicals come together to be really incredible. And that is something that he is incredible at, is using the music to put characters in pressure cookers. By the end of the song, they have to make a decision. Or by the end of the song, this story has to be understood in a new light. And so, you know, Nina's song, Breathe, is a story about growing up in Washington Heights and what it means to be to have been the person that escaped Washington Heights, that went off to college in California and is now back. And so the story is not just I'm telling you a story, but I'm telling you a story that now I understand in a new light. That if I had told this story six months ago, I would have been telling it very differently. It would have meant something very different to me. And by the end of the song, just to like push on your point even more, 
30 seconds ago, I would have told this, this story differently because, right. because of the journey that it goes on through the song, there's, there's often a turn in the last couple stanzas of the song where it's like a decision has been made. My world is completely different. How I'm going to react to the world is completely different. And we're pushing the story forward. All right. And, and Claudia's, uh, her soliloquy song, Paciencia e Fe, is a great example of that too. She tells the story of why her family emigrated to the United States. And at the very end of the song, she comes to this, She's been talking sort of to her mother who's long since died. And she comes to the end of the song. She says, you know, Mom, what am I going to do with this winning ticket? And you realize that this isn't just her telling you the story of her immigration. It's her reflecting on that story in the light of the decision that she has to make now about what to do with that lottery money. It's incredible. If you want to write a musical, look at what Lin-Manuel Miranda does with his songs. They are not just beautiful things that characters sing. They are moments of incredible pressure on those characters. And something has to happen in the music in order for the story to move forward. Mm-hmm. And they somehow managed to be um, uh, reverential to uh, musical theater, but then also pushing the envelope all the time. We've already talked about the the kind of uh, the cadence pushing the hip hop and, and, and how he's uh, innovating as, as a um, American musical theater artist. But then also you have a Vanessa's soliloquy, which is, which could almost be out of like the Newsies, like the Santa Fe from the Newsies, this hopeful, I'm going downtown, I'm going to get an apartment. It's this kind of soaring song that she sings. And, and so, so you just get this, it's just, it's just very clear that the person who wrote this loves musicals, loves the medium and knows how to use it excellently. Oh, and he famously, Lin-Manuel Miranda famously loves musicals and he incorporates references to musicals, to hip hop, to classic rap throughout so much of what he does in this musical and of course in Hamilton. I mean, in this musical, there are really obvious references like in the opening song, he sings a little snippet of you must take the A train from yeah, the yeah. Duke Ellington take the A Train song, and uh, th- there's that moment at the end where he's he he cites Wonderful Life, like he says, "Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. you old building and loan." I mean, <laughs> there's really direct references, and then there's much more subtle references to musical styles and pioneering moments of music in throughout the rest of the show. So let's 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 switch gears just a little bit and talk about the the catalyst of the blackout. It's the defining moment of the end of Act One, and it's and it's the the one of the most visceral images in the play is this song that's sung in the dark uh, mo- for at least the start, and then develops into the the fireworks display of July Fourth as everyone is going through this blackout in in the neighborhood. Um, it's a moment that can kind of it kind of flew by me a little bit as I, I listened to this. I listened to this on audio first uh, back in college, just a ton on repeat, and then uh, I saw the play for the first time. And it wasn't until I saw the play that I realized the gravity of that moment of what the blackout means to that community. Well, and it means things on two levels. And this is where one of the repeating themes that will occupy the rest of the show is developed. And it's developed in a a really sharp and poignant way. Through the Blackout song, the kind of ensemble cast ends up singing this line, we are powerless, powerless, over and over. And it's a pun, right? Not a humorous pun necessarily, but it's a, a word that intends to mean two things at once. And it means both in the very literal sense, our community is without power. 
We have no electricity. The lights are off and they're going to remain off for days, we learn. But then there's, of course, the reference to the socioeconomic reality of a neighborhood like this. They are without power in their community. They're without power to create change. They're without government representation. They're without any kind of uh, upward mobility for in a lot of ways. They're powerless. And that meaning of the phrase lasts through much of the rest of the musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mostly it's it's Sonny and Vanessa that kind of come into uh, scenes later on after the, the initial blackout scene with this prevailing theme of we are powerless. How can you all be? It's during the carnival scene. Um, I think uh, Vanessa shows up and is like, how can you all be celebrating right now? We have no power and we have no power. Um, so so that 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 theme is prevalent. Also, Sonny is kind of caught in the middle of the the uh, the danger of a blackout in New York City, because as soon as a blackout happens, uh, looting generally happens as well, or, or riots generally happens because all the power's out. No one can see what's going on in the middle of the night. So Sonny right away has to run to the bodega and try to lock it down. Well, and um, this is one of the great moments where a set piece is paid off, or a prop, I guess it depends on how you define it. But through the whole of the show, Lusnavi's bodega, the great that he would pull down, you know, the, basically the chain link wall that he would have pulled down to protect, you know, to lock it up, to lock up the bodega, is broken. It's broken throughout the whole first part of the show. And that pays off incredibly well, really twice in through the show. The first time in the blackout song where, because there's nothing to lock down, somebody just has to stand out there with a baseball bat, and in this case it ends up being, what, 15, 16-year-old Sonny to yeah. try to stave off looters, and even he can't stay there forever so the shop does get looted because of this Mm -hmm. broken grade and then of course the decision moment at the end of the show in that very last song is really defined by the fact that the grate is broken and what happens to that grate right right yeah so it's it is it is like this 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 you can there's there's a, a slow boil happening throughout the start of the play where a lot of these goals are being pursued and then this uh, this blackout happens for a lot for for the characters and you see what everyone's uh, it, it's it's a kind of classic question of where do you go in a fire or, or what do you save in a fire and you see a couple choices like that being made you see uh, Usnavi who's uh, who believes he was on a date with Vanessa, at least. He kind of messes it up a little bit in the club scene, and there's some there's some uh, haziness there. But he goes and makes sure Abuela Claudia is all right um, and and leaves leaves Vanessa, who spends much of the, the blackout looking for him. You see Nina and Benny, who we haven't talked about yet and who we need to talk about. It's a great section of the play. Um, they're they're kind of angry at each other, but the catalyst of the blackout forces a moment of healing for them as well and forgiveness for, uh, together. And you see Sonny... Uh, uh, this person, you know, he, he's he's really devoted to the bodega, despite his kind of uh, his, his um, cavalier attitude about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He shows up and defends it with a bat and a Roman candle from his graffiti friend. Um, <laughs> the character's name is Graffiti Pete, so he's he's, he's great the graffiti name. friend. Great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's this moment where a lot of the the loyalties of the characters are pushed into the forefront as. The feeling of powerlessness uh, comes into effect and the danger from the blackout that you don't necessarily get by just listening to the song because it's an awesomely choreographed, lyrically song. <laughs> but there's there's some there's some heavy stuff happening in that song as well. And it, it shows, it's really emblematic of what, I mean, of course, the show's about Washington Heights, what it was like to be in that community at that time. But it really shows what it's like to be a member of a community without power, where... 
you can set up, I mean, Black Ops the last song of the act, right? So you can set up across a whole act decision moments for the character. This causes this causes this, and this causes this. I mean, it, it's orchestrated and crafted just like any great play to what's going to happen because of the decisions these characters make. But at the end of it all, they're powerless, right? The blackout comes and changes everything. It right. changes the direction for almost every one of these major stories in some way, and they have no power over that happening to them. And so mm -hmm. it really highlights the ways that lives are affected by something like this in a way that some of us don't experience a lot, honestly. Right, and 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 how the options for trying to solve it are very different given your uh, geographical place, your demographic, and and the struggle that they are going through. It, it opens a window for empathy into that struggle. Right. So Nina and Benny, you've Nina you've and Benny prodded us back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a. I mean, the, the, uh, with the <laughs> I'm going to speak words. Um, <laughs> with the. <laughs> With the exception of the Usnavi storyline, I feel like the Rosario storyline has a, a, the most weight in the show. Probably the Usnavi storyline edges it out a little bit. But there's a I lot don't know. of... It, it, that's so hard to think of. I mean, Usnavi's decision at the end of the play does represent that the show is coming to an end. But uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is, like we said, a, a musical study a Broadway study, knows everything about every musical famously. And yeah. so he, he he knows how musicals are typically structured. He often, even though his musicals are groundbreaking in one way or another, follows what you're surprised to find out is fairly typical musical structuring. And this play, if it's no different, the I Want song, typically the second song of a musical, belongs to Nina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is a fascinating element of it. So, so perhaps perhaps Usnavi is like our our bard or something like right, that. Or the one the <laughs> Nick Carraway isn't that the character from Great Gatsby? Like, yeah, our yeah. intro, and he has some decisions to make, but mm -hmm. and an important one at the end. But other things are happening to other characters too. The, and and one of the things is this intense family drama that's happening at the the kind of boiling center of the play. The, the last big business, at least, or, or fairly successful business in this section of the Heights is the Rosario's car company. And it's both a repair shop and I think a taxi shop as well. Um, so, so, uh, I know it's a taxi shop. There's whole songs based around it. Um, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, car service. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, into this, uh, we learn that Kevin and Camila, the father and mother of this uh, family, have sent Nina off to college, as we know, and she's come back. She's decided decided slash had to drop out of college. Um, we learn that she... Uh, had to work a lot while at college to try to support her, her life there and wasn't able to finish with the grades that she needed. So she comes home uh, determined to not um, go back. And the other, the so that's that's one vein of family drama. The other vein of family drama is uh, Nina's relationship with Benny and Benny's relationship with the family. Benny is kind of this adopted child, sort of, of the family. He's been around a lot. Um, however, it... it, it, it it develops through the play right away. You know, he's, he's, he's not a uh, Latino. He's, I believe black in the original writing of the play. And, um, and so they fall in love and there's this also this tension, especially from Kevin around them falling in love and the fact that he doesn't believe that Benny is good enough for Nina. Yeah. And it seems to be 
part of this long-standing tension between Benny and Kevin, and his relationship with Nina is just the next phase of this tension. In the opening song, when Benny does his come by the bodega, as all the characters do, his come by and get introduced section. Um, he he has a line about how he's, you know, he's the car service's biggest earner or something and how his boss can't keep him on the back burner forever. And so there, we know that there's some tension there. And then when Kevin and Camila have to go to get a loan or something, they have to leave, it's a, the dispatch operator that would typically do that job is out. And so Kevin's worried about he needs to stay and run the dispatch. Benny offers to do it, and Kevin is really hesitant to let him do that. He doesn't speak Spanish. He doesn't really communicate with the drivers. He's different, right? He's he's set aside. And Camila is the one who comes to his aid, and she seems to accept Benny as a member of the family. In fact, she even in that scene calls him honorary Latino. And Kevin has never been there quite. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 there's a good amount of journey that Kevin goes on in this play as well. He kind of goes on this the the loan that he goes off to get eventually. He 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 goes off on his own to sell the business cuz he learns that Nina's come home, she can't she can't continue going to college and he's like, "No, you need to go to college, so I'm going to do whatever I can to get you to stay there. You've lost the 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 tension that I forgot to like bring out especially is that her grades have suffered to the point that she's losing her scholarships. So that's the big deal when she comes home and she doesn't have her scholarships anymore. She can't work while she's at college to pay it off. So she's coming home. Um, and Kevin, Kevin without consulting the rest of the family in a song that's a really touching, powerful moment about how he, I think the song is called Useless. And the refrain of the song is that he he's felt useless in handling so many different problems. He saw his parents be farmers after farmers. He's come to America. He's trying to set his children up with a better life. And the end of the song in reference to our earlier conversation, is a very crucial decision. A, it's a song that by the end of this song, he needs to come to a decision point about something. And his decision is based on this idea that if he can't give everything he's got to set his child up for success, then everything he's got is useless. And so at the end of that song, he decides, without consulting the rest of his family, to go and sell the car service so that they have money to pay for Nina's tuition. Which is a uh, kind of a noble goal from his point of view. However, it's it it's not all his to give away, and that song is followed up by the response from Camila, which is enough. Which is which just I, I think awesome is the best song. song in the musical. It's, it's my so favorite good. song in the musical. She <laughs> yeah. just steps forward, and it is a dressing down song <laughs> of just everyone, everybody, like, yeah. anyone in the room just gets lit up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's so this I mean there's there's a decent amount of song and, we, and then there's this kind of beautiful duet between uh Benny and Nina that that starts act 2 after they've spent the night together and and so so there's a lot of weight given to this this uh family's drama uh, uh, multiple layers of family drama too it's not just like you know a typical like soap opera-ish dramedy uh level of drama it's like deep multi-layered issues of each of these characters. And issues that are representative of of the story Lin-Manuel Miranda wants to tell of the neighborhood too, right? Issues of, is our business going to be able to go forward? Even before they decide to sell, they're struggling with bills. They've got offers from all kinds of companies, developers that want to gentrify the neighborhood. And, and 
So there's that part of the story told. There's this idea of upward mobility. Nina feels the pressure of being the one who's going to go to college. And everybody in the community tells her, basically every time they see her through the show, we're not worried about you at all. You're the smart one. You're the one that's going to come back and change everything for us with your degree and your, your you know all your connections and all that. And she feels the weight of being the representative of upward mobility in the community. Mm-hmm. And you also have the issue of uh, interracial r- relationships and the and the the tension from families around those and and how they how the the kind of younger generation it's on the younger generation to some degree to to uh, to exemplify those and to show so, show some uh, ways forward to the, oftentimes their parents and the Nina Benny storyline also shows. The way in which the community is so tight-knit as to <laughs> ultimately provide a lack of privacy. Yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> see if you agree with me, Jackson, about the story, how I think the course of events happen. Um, I, Nina gets in really late at night the night before the show. 3 a.m. and doesn't see anybody because she gets in super late. The next morning, before she even sees her parents, she'd go, well, she's looking for her parents, so she goes to the car service, but they're not there. She and Benny just talk. They just chat on the dispatch. She helps him with his Spanish and such and such. And then eventually she leaves to go see some other friends. By the time she gets to the hair salon, which I think is like one of the next places she goes, at some point she stops at Claudia's too, that everybody knows that yep. her and Benny are quote unquote talking. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and another one later on after the after the blackout, they they spend the night together. And by the time the carnival happens, they both show up at one time or another, and everyone's saying, "We heard that you all went for a roll in the hay last night." Oh, that's so. one of the great jokes of the show. Like <laughs> yeah. it, they're set up with the the hair salon gals, and they say something like, "Have you seen any horse?" lately because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we heard you went for a roll in the hay <laughs> yeah and that i mean that 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 does speak to the kind of close-knit uh community that is vanessa always gets uh kind of ribbed by daniela for uh how little she uh at least acknowledges usnavi's love for her and then well. there's the flip side of that too right which is that basically everybody in the community is rooting for usnavi to ask out <laughs> vanessa and pretty much everybody who sees him has got some advice for him about how to handle his encounters with Vanessa so that they will eventually end up together. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it is Sonny making fun of him for it because it's... (laughs) And so there's that that kind of... kind of invasive side of it where these couples don't have any room to breathe. They're constantly monitored by the community. And that's a, a portraiture of the negative side or even the funny side. It obviously borders into humor yeah. a lot. And then there's the other side of this close-knit community where everybody belongs to everybody uh, that is really represented in Abuela Claudia. And she's not, I mean, it's like I've said, Usnavi says very, very, very clearly at the beginning of the show, she's not my grandma, but she raised me. But everybody in the community calls her abuela, calls her grandma. Yeah. And that's because she is the community's, it's, it's not like she's the matriarch. She's not in charge, but she's yeah. the community's caregiver for everybody. After she passes, there's this lovely song where Nina and Usnavi, two characters who don't have a lot to do with each other the rest of the show, sort through old 
all of her stuff. And they discover that she's basically held on to everything that anyone's ever given her. The moment that stands out to me and kind of makes me wince in the pain of the story is when Nina discovers that uh, Abuela Claudia still has a program from Nina's high school graduation with Nina's name highlighted and starred. Clearly Mm -hmm. she went and had marked down the names of the students that she knew that were graduating. It's, it's stuff like that, that makes you see that, that I think is, is Lin-Manuel referencing the other side of this close knit community. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're not at least getting just a little bit teary by the time you get to that song for the first time, I don't know who you are. Um, like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a touching song about, about a, a, a Abuela's, uh, connection to each of these people, and and it becomes so clear in that moment the gra- the gravity of someone like that in your community, and and it makes you think about like who who in your community is the one that you don't realize is holding on to, you know weird weird little things that you gave them when you were I don't know twelve or whatever. It's a really visceral emotional moment in this in the play, and of course just before it is the song where Usnavi having dealt with the coroners and the the medical people, everything that has happened has finally come out to tell what has happened. And Mm -hmm. he describes how she died basically of a heart attack. She's known through the whole play to have heart problems that she refuses to take her medicine for. And the community lifts up, uh, lifts up Claudia to God. She is, she is known to say, um, uh, alabanza, which is this lifting up to God. Usnavi has some really beautiful lines about exactly how it's translated and what it means, this praise, lifting to God's ears, lifting to God's mouth, whatever she's praising over. And she does it a couple of times through the play. And then after she's passed, the whole community sings that word and her name together. They they perform that service for her. It's a funeral, really. I mean, it's not yeah. in any kind of a formal way, but it's a prayer song. It's a holy song. And it if that doesn't set you up for then the high school graduation thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it shakes it shakes it all loose. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the other there's another like little fascinating part of this community, which is the again, based in the Rosarios, the dispatch. Um, and, and, and just another ex- example of how connected this community is, because in the middle of most of the dispatch sp- or speaking to the taxi drivers via the dispatch, no matter which character is doing it, they throw in what's happening in the moment. And you hear via trumpets, usually in the score, but you're meant to assume is the horns of the of the uh, the taxis. Like Nina comes home, she jumps into the dispatch and Benny's like, also the old dispatch person is here, Nina's here, everyone honk your horns. And this big chorus of trumpet happens. Which is musically incredible. The trumpet, yeah. in, that, that, the trumpet that represents the taxi horns or the car horns is incredible musically. It works so well, so mm-hmm. effectively. And then it, the using trumpets follows the Rosarios as sort of the musical theme through many of their pieces. Yeah. And then the technique in terms of Lin-Manuel's writing of the world of including these taxi drivers, these car drivers that are in the rest of New York City, right? Yeah. The, the community, we don't just live in Washington Heights for the course of these three days. We do 90%. But we also have these little snippets of people from the Heights who are out in the rest of the world. And the the voice that they get is these car horns that intrude through 
many of the different dispatch songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is then followed up again when Kevin uh, sends the announcement to all the drivers that Abuela Claudia passed away. Um, and is is just that so so that lineup is you know you have you have the dispatch of of, of Kevin telling that to the drivers then you have Usnavi's song then you have Nina's song with Usnavi about all the the papers that she saved and it's just it's it's a it's a killer one two three punch in the middle <laughs> of the play <laughs> and I don't know I I I read interviews and 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 you know, uh, reviews and different producers that wrote stuff, all the stuff that we normally do in preparation for these episodes. And I was actually looking for a piece of information that I was not able to find. If you have something, any of you listeners out there, that you can send to us that references this, I'd love to know. The portrait of Claudia is so vivid and so touching, so um, uh, reverent that it makes me wonder, and from the very first time I ever knew anything about this musical, I've wondered this, if the character is based on someone that Lin-Manuel knew. Many mm-hmm. of the other characters, I can see him just dreaming from the ground up, but the reverence with which the play treats Abuela Claudia is so beautiful and touching that it makes me think in some ways he's written this musical about someone he knew like her. Yeah, yeah. No, it is It is just such a... Such a uh visceral connection to that character this 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 heartstring of the community essentially that that touched everyone's lives yeah. and more than just being touching right she is in some ways she is the play it's yeah. her that wins the lottery which causes the first of the major changes in direction for what's going to happen to these characters in the show her passing causes the second major change of direction for what's going to happen to many of the characters obviously it changes Usnavi and Sunny's life a lot Nina is forced to sort of reconcile with her family because of learning about Abuela Claudia's passing and then it is her portrait the memory of her which causes the final song Usnavi to decide not to move to Dominican Republic yeah yeah and the and the portrait is the 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 graffitied portrait on the on the bodega door um that that graffiti pete paints on the door <laughs> so it's this, this beautiful reveal again of, of a central prop of yeah, the play that, or it's that central, same great yeah yep so yeah it, it all it all pays off at the end it's like one of the big images at the end of the play is this a big revealed mural basically of of Abuela Claudia. And it's introduced as the first of a series that this graffiti artist is going to do. And Usnavi yeah. gives this graffiti artist that he's been back and forth fighting with all the play because he keeps tagging his bodega. That yeah. They've been fighting the whole play. And finally, at the end, Usnavi gives him some of the lottery money for paint so that he can put up portraits like that throughout the whole community. This portraiture to honor Abuela Claudia and it, it says Paciencia y Fe below it. It's stunning moment in terms of how the visual meets the story. Incredible, yeah. incredible. And it changes what Usnavi's going to do. He decides not to move to Dominican for some reason as a result of that portrait. I think we have to believe he's had some doubts before that moment. Otherwise, it's too too strong of a turn. Right. It is an interesting moment of of he he actually apologizes in song briefly to uh, Abuela Claudia about his not going home, but he has to stay here um, to be to be with the to be with the place to be with the family. And there's this this kind of uh, because because the painting of the portrait of her is there. There's this almost uh, kind of patron saintiness about it. Like like she's here, so we should stay here. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's it's a musical about home in so many ways. It's a musical about gentrification. It's a musical about the weight of expectations that people can carry when they come from a community. It's a it's a musical about so many things, and we can't so talk about things. all of them for sure. Yeah, yeah, and we I mean, just the seeing of the play, there's amazing choreography in the, the in the play and and obviously the huge group numbers. It's fascinating to read this play um in light of of Hamilton and our kind of cultural knowledge of Lin-Manuel Miranda because if you if you listen to this even and then if you read it you see the through lines that he's playing with. He's still playing with legacy. There are bars that are just straight up um, Lin-Manuel Miranda bars <laughs> that come up in Hamilton. It's fascinating to to realize that uh, 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 hold on, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find the original cast here because there's there's uh, repeats of, of cast. Christopher Jackson who plays Benny plays Washington in Hamilton. So it's it's this the, there is this through line between the plays and it's fascinating to go back and look at it and kind of see how within 10 years I think basically of each other um, the, the space that Miranda is writing in yeah well it's an awesome play like i said lots of people have heard the music it was so popular a while ago that pretty much every theater kid has listened through the soundtrack once or twice i think but if that's all you've ever done pick up the script somewhere see if your library has it (laughs) order it because the book adds so much to your understanding and appreciation of the story and then of course if you have the chance to see it see it i am anxiously awaiting the movie which i hope will still be on course to come out next summer because there's not a lot of chance i'll get to see it my my community's got a lot of great theater but only so much and there's a lot of plays (laughs) so (laughs) i'm hopeful that i'll get to see that movie sooner rather than later because i really really want to see this show yeah, so if any of y'all pick up the script or see the show, or even it's like a year from now and you've seen the movie and want to talk about something with us, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to keep having the conversation with you. Uh, the username on all those are at NoScriptPodcast. We also have a Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those sites if you're looking for someone to keep talking about this play with. If you'd like to add your perspective or your experience of experiencing this play, we'd love to keep talking to you about it. Absolutely. If you'd like to recommend this podcast to a friend or family member, that's a great way you can support us. You can send them to Podbean, to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. They can find the podcast in all of those places. Also get connected with us on social media because every Monday on when the new episode comes out, we post a link to that new episode on Facebook. So that's a pretty easy way to find the new episodes as they come out. So until next week, when we are talking about another of theater's best scripts, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for No Script, the podcast. We'll see you.